Kathy, thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you. It's really good to be here. I know, Kathy, that you um, have mentored a lot of women. I know that you have a ministry that focuses on women and that you've actually written a book about singleness. And I'd love for you to share with our listeners about your personal journey, as well as the things that you've learned and been able to share with your mentor, mentees, I would say, over the years. Sure, sure. This is uncanny because I didn't even realize being married now that my ministry to single women would still be so relevant. But right now during the pandemic and uh, the challenges that people are having with the isolation and all of that, it's really relevant. And this is a group that we want to make sure still gets ministered to. So I do have quite a few women that I um, have been able to be a mentor to, and I'm always trying to help them navigate various, you know, challenges and problem solving related to their single experience. And tell us more, what does that look like when you're, when you're mentoring? What are some of the challenges that you see uh, women who are single face um, and sort of how have you helped them get through those over the years? Sure. One of the things that I think is really important is all of us just understanding that part of the single experience is not just pining away about being married. You know, a lot of them, I minister to them about life planning and making good choices. Of course, where relationships are concerned, but other things too, their finances, their health, uh, acquiring things that they want in life, going after their dreams, success in the workplace, you know, with women, that's another issue dealing with some of the experiences they have in the workplace. And as a single woman, they feel like, you know, they don't always have someone at home that they can come home and talk to about it. That was a big issue for me when I was in corporate America. I'd want to come home and share some of the challenges Mm -hmm. and successes. There was nobody there to do that with. So just dealing with all of those, but certainly the longing for a life partner is also something very important to most of them. So The title of my first book is Everything But Satisfied, and I actually wrote that book while I was single, and in some ways it parallels my journey um, through singleness. Uh, I think it's really relevant today because I do mentor a lot of women who happen to be single, and dealing with this pandemic has been difficult for many of them. And so not just my testimony and experiences that I wrote about in the book, but just my advice and guidance and just being there for them has been very helpful getting them through this time of isolation. Oh, let me, and let me say that even the title, Everything But Satisfied, I think it's so powerful. And what it makes me think of is the Bible telling us to be content, right? In whatever state we're yes. in. And the reality is that when you're single and don't want to be, or think you don't want to be, that you are everything but satisfied. I think, I think that's a really powerful title and, and would love to sort of hear how you got to that place and, and how even that title came to mind for you. Sure. When you think about satisfaction, you think about, you know, gratification, all of your desires met, having everything you could think of or dream about. And I think that attitude is inappropriate and irrelevant when it comes to faith. You know, even Mm -hmm. with this podcast, My Imperfect Faith, it doesn't make sense to have faith if you're completely gratified, completely satisfied. You don't have a desire in the world. So Mm -hmm. when Paul says in all things, I've learned to be content, I think, 
what he's really saying is I have chosen, I have come to a place of understanding to be still and wait. You know, you can be content and still not every have everything that you want, but the posture is for right here, right now, I'm going to be still, I'm going to trust God, and I'm still going to have faith. And even when my faith is wavering, I'm going to put myself back in this place of contentment. So the title of the book for me really dealt with the fact that I'm not ever going to be totally satisfied, not just in my singleness, but without everything I feel that God has promised. I mean, if we believe Jeremiah 29 and 11, that he knows the plans and thoughts and intentions and goals and outcomes he has in mind for us, then, and that he's going to give us a hope, a future, a place of expectancy, then we can't be totally satisfied until we get to that hope and a future. So I think that was the whole premise behind it. You can have all of these other things, but just don't be satisfied without God's promises that you're holding on to. I mean, who says, I found out I have cancer and I'm satisfied. My Mm -hmm. loved one died and I'm satisfied. Um, My car won't start again, but I'm so satisfied. I just think that's unrealistic. I I love that because I think it's giving people permission that it's okay that you don't, I think we get in our heads that we're supposed to handle it a certain way. You know, I'm just waiting and I'm, I'm patiently waiting and my attitude is always right about it. Um, and it's okay. It's like you're given permission to be everything but satisfied. Right, right. Exactly. That was exactly my intention. I have developed this reputation in ministry for being a realist and a purist at the most practical level. And that has caused success when I work with women, because I truly, I really do try to understand, you know, where they're coming from and what they're dealing with. Isn't that what Jesus did? He didn't expect people who needed healing to be content and say, Jesus, as you're passing by, you don't have to heal me if you don't want to, because I've learned to be content in all things. What they're saying is, I've been in a place of waiting and hopefulness until you got here. But now that you're here, I want everything you have to offer. That's the, <laughs> that's the truth with Abraham and the stars. That's right. the truth with Mary and Martha and a dead brother. You know what I mean? That's the truth with Jesus who was tempted by the enemy when he said, turn these stones into bread. You know, he could have said, well, I'm just so content with having these stones. I guess you're right. <laughs> you know, so right. that's what I mean by just kind of being a realist and if I could just go I think this is going out on a limb for some because I certainly don't want to offend my colleagues in ministry but we have a tendency to beat up on single people we say things that have become a part of our doctrine or our own experience and what was said to us as opposed to being relatable to what that person is going through at the time. So we say to single people, when you get to the place that you don't desire a spouse anymore, that's when God's going to do it. Oh my goodness. Yes. Yes. I've heard people say that so many times. (laughs) What kind of sense does that make? You know what I mean? What kind of sense does that make? Oh, it's it's just so spiritual, you know, because I'm just waiting on Jesus and I'm not thinking about anything else. And I think that's the message. And I remember 
um, I, I, I remember thinking, um, even at, I don't know, 23, 24, I'm like, well, if that's the place I have to get to, I'm never going to get married. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. I'm thinking about a funny story that my sister told me years ago, I guess. And I, I didn't get married until my late thirties. And I think in some ways that whole waiting period that I had very much ministers to a lot of the single women for whom I serve as a mentor. But my sister said to me, I want you to come to this wedding at my church. I was like, who is it? Well, you don't know her, but I want you to come. Why do you want me to come? She said, well, my pastor's daughter is getting married and, and I want you to come. I said, for what? She said, <laughs> she's 49. And I just looked at my sister like she was crazy. I, I was probably 30 at the time, you know, and I thought that was, I'm old now and I still don't have a band. What is up? And so I said, <laughs> why do I need to come to this 49 year old stranger's wedding? She said, because this is going to increase your faith. So you'll know, I don't care how old you get, God is going to do it. <laughs> and I looked at her and I mean, not laughing or anything. I was not enthused at that time. I looked at her and I said, I am not encouraged. <laughs> If you're telling me, hold out until you're 50, hold out until you're 75, I don't want to hear it. Now, I'm not saying right now that God can't do it. I'm just saying that at 30 years old, with my sister telling me, if you just wait another 20 years, maybe God will send you a man. I was not trying to hear that. Oh, my goodness. Yes, I, I love that. <laughs> I love that story. <laughs> but seriously, um, I think... One of the things that single women today have to come to terms with is it is your own faith walk and your faith walk is your personal walk, whether you're believing God for healing, for the discipline, for weight loss, to stir up your spiritual gifts, for a promotion on your job. Um, whatever it is that you're believing God for, in addition to a spouse, if that's what you want, it's all the same faith walk. It's all the same trust. What happens in the single experience, I think, is two things. One, we have the wrong people in our ear, like the example I gave before of these people who will tell you in order to get what you want from God, you have to not want it. That's ridiculous because God knows our heart and God honors an honest heart. So you yes. can't pretend before God that you don't want something. That just doesn't make sense. But the second part is we have to be so careful that we don't idolize our desires. In other words, this one thing right here, God, this means everything to me. And if I don't get this, I'm not going to be okay or I'm not going to stay saved. I hear Young women say that to me a lot. You know, I, it's taking God a long time, but, you know, if he doesn't come through, some things are going to happen around here. And I, rem <laughs> I, I remember saying to somebody, well, go ahead with the happening things because the Lord may have to work that out of you so that you can then handle and respond righteously to what you ultimately want. So, you know, that's the other side of it. We can't really bargain with God either. You know, if you do this, God, then I'll do that. No, that's not how it works. Yeah. And, and I think I, as you were talking, I just feel like there's, especially in the church, being single, almost there's, there's this added pressure. There's this um, expectation that 
that you should get married or that you'll get married young or, um, you know, like you said, everything that's satisfied, like, it's almost like, I feel like people feel like, um, they're not enough until they get married. And that's just not true. Oh, absolutely. I know I felt that way as a single person. I think that there are a lot of reasons, uh, people that we know in ministry, you know, they love us and they mean well, and they're trying to fix us. So when something is not going as planned and we're not getting what we pray for, they're trying to figure out what the holdup is. So they want to tell us what. And with single women in particular, we have a tendency, especially older women in the church, you'll find that it's not the men, the pastor, it's particularly older women in the church and married women who try to tell you everything that you're not doing right in order to get what they got. And I remember feeling that way, but I have to say this, Candace, and this is part of the posture I took when I wrote that book. I don't care who said what to me. I don't care what was prophesied, what was spoken to me by some person in church just trying to give me wisdom and direction, even if it came across the pulpit. If it had anything to do with you don't have a husband because something is wrong with you and you're not going to get one until you change this or change that, I never received it. Now, I don't know what that is. I don't know where that seed came from. It could be that self-esteem and self self-confidence that comes with being, you know, the youngest of eight children. Mm-hmm. Um, I have five sisters and my we really have confidence and self-esteem because my mother was a single parent. So she did raise me in an environment where you can be successful by yourself. So I think mm-hmm. that's part of it. But I rejected people trying to tell me something was wrong with me and that was yes. a hold up. For, for a couple of reasons. One, I was holding on to the promises of God. And one part of our imperfect faith is how difficult it is sometimes to hold on to what you know God said when everything you see is the opposite of that. I yes. mean, we walk, we walk by faith and not by sight, but the sight sometimes what we see <laughs> right. is so much bigger than our faith, you know? Yeah. But I was just determined that if I got to a place where I didn't believe God was going to do it, then that would have a negative impact on me believing God for other things as well. Um, I think the other piece of it is that I did everything that was humanly and spiritually possible for me to be prepared, not necessarily just for marriage and a wedding, because everything to be prepared for your particular marriage may not be the same as somebody else's. But I did everything that I felt was biblically required of me as a single person so that I didn't get in the way of what God wanted to do in my life. And that's the hard part for some single women to hear because they have this list. Men's lists are always shorter than women's, (laughs) but you know, we, the girls, right. We have this list of all these things of what we want him to be and be able to do. So, you know, we want an educated man. We want, a tall one for the most part. We might care about their skin tone or not. We've decided 
what kind of job will be acceptable for us? You know, he has to be this, this or that. He has to have this much money in the bank. He has to be the breadwinner. He has to manage all the finances. He has to love children. He has to have a great relationship with his mom. What if he doesn't? What if he doesn't have a mom? Mm -hmm. But we don't take that into consideration. We just put, we make this dream list of all these things that he has to be. But I promise you this, if single women would be or become these things on their list, they would be more content mm-hmm. in their in their singleness. 